that we can come into his house, uh, get to fellowship, get to worship him, uh, get to listen to his word. And I pray that even as we are here, that our hearts are open to receive uh, from the Lord uh, this uh, morning. Possibly for that one who's joining us for the very first time, uh, we are going through the book of Hebrews. Uh, today we get to go into chapter 3. We began last Sunday where we covered chapter 1 and chapter 2. And in this season we are saying that Jesus is better. So last Sunday we looked at Jesus is better than the angels. Praise the Lord. And even in the very introduction, uh, the book of Hebrews is more of taken as a letter uh, written to Jewish converts who had now come to a place where they were moving away from Judaism. And the letter is more to encourage them to understand that there is one who is greater. There are things which are greater for them to understand beyond their beliefs uh, of Judaism. And just thinking about this, you know, a question that comes to mind is, what do you tell a people who have known a certain leader as the only leader they know that there is another leader who is greater than them? Be it in the national level, be it in the county, be it even just in politics in general, where you're able to tell people, you know, yes, you've heard and you know this leader. But then there is one who is better and greater than that one. What do you tell followers of a certain spiritual leader? That yes, your leader is fine. There are things he has taught you. There are things you've learned. But yet there is one who is greater than that spiritual leader. And that is the place we find ourselves when we come to Hebrews chapter 3. Because in Hebrews chapter 3, we get to cover and to talk about Jesus being better than Moses. Praise the Lord. And the things that we talk about here, we'll be looking at Moses, but then at the end get to see how is Jesus better than Moses. I think just thinking about these two, let me call them religions, come to mind. And one of them is Dini Yamsambwa. I don't know if you have ever interacted with someone who goes to Diniam Sambwa. And you get to see, yes, there are some things you agree with them. But yet there are others which you don't agree with them. Diniam Sambwa, as it has been said, was founded by one called Elijah Masinde. And I have interacted with someone who believed and was part of this. And I remember there are times they would tell me, you know, if you go to church, you need to leave your shoes outside because this is holy ground, you know. If you're praying, you need to pray facing a certain direction. And I must say it was hard for us because they knew the Old Testament only. So there is nothing like the New Testament. You know, the way Malachi ends talking about Elijah, that is what they believe in terms of their scriptures. And sometimes it was hard to tell this person, you know, there is one who is called Jesus. You know, they always say in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they say in the name of Elijah. But further than that, to bring it maybe closer to us, is what we call the Latter-day Saints. You've seen them walking with white shirts, black trousers, 
thank God I'm not in a black trouser, and a, but I'm in a white shirt. You know, <laughs> you've seen them on the streets. And these ones, they believe that one who was sent to them is a man by the name of Joseph Smith. And this man is the one who created this religion. He was the one who wrote the New Testament, which they say is a New Testament about Christ written by Joseph Smith, which we find in what we call the Mormon Bible. And in there, yes, there are issues that he writes even about the law of Moses and many other things they believe in, but yet there is still a contradiction in them. And I don't know if you've ever met with these people and they have tried maybe to tell you this is what you need to believe. This is the scriptures you need to read. And just to tell us that today we easily find ourselves in such a context. I was remembering this morning, some time back, I gave someone a lift and we were talking and they were part of this, you know, followers of this, uh, you know, the Latter-day Saints. And only to realize when I asked them, so when did you join this church? Only for them to tell me I used to be in this church in the city. A church that I would actually advocate being a church that teaches true doctrine. But then I moved from there. I am now following this which is being taught. Just to tell us that even for you who comes to K3C, you need to be careful that you don't drift back. Because Hebrews is a call to the people that don't drift back now that you've known Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Just to tell us that Jesus is better. And so looking at Moses, just to give us context before we go into our portion of Hebrews chapter 3, one of the things we need to realize as one man wrote and said, his name is Bonsu, he says that the people who come before you play a big role in forming values, in forming beliefs, in forming certain ways of life, even values. And that is the place we find these converts who had come to the place where they had been converted, yet there's one who had come before them who was Moses. And in looking just as, at Moses, this man called Moses, we find that one of the interesting things that we'll find in the scriptures is that Moses is actually featured more than any other Old Testament figure in the New Testament. That if there is a man from the Old Testament who is mentioned more in the New Testament, is Moses. Compared to Abraham, you know, Elijah and the others, Moses is frequently mentioned actually almost in all the books, in the Gospels, in the letters of Paul, even in Revelation, Moses is still mentioned there. So just to show you that this was not just an ordinary man. This was just not a man that you could ignore. This was a man who had spent years if you look at the life of Jesus, who it was only three years of ministry, Moses had spent 40 years with the children of Israel. And so when we come and say Jesus is better, it is important of us also to look at what or who was Moses. And just a slight biography, if I would put it that way, because we cannot go into everything about Moses. We are told that one of the things is that Moses was born in Egypt. I was saying in the first service, there's normally the trick question we ask people. So who are the parents of Moses? Before you project that one. Ah, okay. You know, I wanted you to ask your neighbor. Tell them, to, you know, who are the parents of Moses? I give you a minute to ask your neighbor. To tell you the mother and the father. What were their names? 
era assim, If they told you the parents were, I don't know what name they have given you. <laughs> but if at all they have told you the parents were Amram and Yochebed, they are right. You can now project that slide. So Moses was born in Egypt. The parents were <laughs> Amram and Yochebed. I don't know what name you were given. But I don't know if they told you God was their father, you know, or God was his father, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know, those were the parents of Moses. But yet further about Moses in, his, in just a slide of his biography was that he was called by the Lord to deliver Israel, which we find in Exodus chapter 3 and 4. Moses experienced Pharaoh's resistance when he was told by the Lord, go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses experienced that, that, you know, he experienced resistance from Pharaoh. He experienced the battles between God and the gods of Egypt, which we find in the ten plagues. We find in Exodus chapter 7 to chapter 9. And yet Moses received the law at Mount Sinai. So I'm just trying to cut across a few. In Exodus chapter 19 to 23. And so this Moses was the man that Hebrews comes and says that there is one who is Jesus, who is better than Moses. So you can imagine this background that even as much as they have converted, this is the man they know amongst many other things about him. And as much as what I would call that it was a concern to them, because these believers were wondering, yes, we need to follow this person. It is a concern to us, because their concern was this, that we now need to change, we now need to move away from the beliefs that we had, from the traditions that we had, from the scriptures we had, the scriptures that we followed, and even the man that we honored and believed in. So that was a concern to them. That was a concern to them. And that is why in Hebrews chapter 2 they are being told that now because you have received such a great salvation, do not ignore it. Do not ignore it. Yes, you need to change. Yes, you need to move away from this. And you know, even in all this that you are being told, it is important of you to understand, don't drift away from this which you have received, this great salvation. Yet, the concern to them was, why should we leave this which we have believed in for a long while? Our traditions, our way of life. That was a concern to them. And yet, God was calling them to something greater beyond their concerns, beyond their beliefs, beyond their traditions. And that is why in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, it says this, that we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. So that we do not drift away. Now because you've known about Jesus, now because you've heard this gospel, we must pay most careful attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Verse 3 says that how shall we escape if we, if, if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. And verse 4 continues to say that God also testified to it 
by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So they are being told that, you know, you've seen even the signs, you've seen the wonders, you've seen the miracles. Don't drift away. Jesus is greater. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the beliefs you've had over time. Don't drift away. Beyond his biography, more to add about Moses, we find in Numbers chapter 12, verse 1 to 16, but I'll not go to every verse. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 1 to 16, because it is important even as we come to Hebrews chapter 3, we are told that in verse 1 to 3, that Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this, that now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. That this was a man, as the Bible says, that God would talk to him, as you read in verse um, 6 of the same Numbers chapter 12, he says, and he said to them, because now God on hearing Aaron and Moses talking about Moses, sorry, Aaron and Miriam talking about Moses, he calls them to a meeting together. And so in verse 6, six we are told this. He said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And so this again is the place where these people were coming from. That number one, we are told that God refers to Moses as a servant. That this is not true of my servant Moses in verse 7. That he is faithful in all my house. Because we find a repetition of this same verse in Hebrews chapter 3 should be verse 2. We are told that God had a relationship with Moses. That God says that I speak to him clearly, not even in riddles. I speak to him face to face. But also, God said that you need to reverence Moses. Because in Joshua chapter 4, verse 13 to 14, it says this. That about 40,000 troops armed for battle crossed over before the Jordan into the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And they revered him all the days of his life, just as they had revered Moses. That this was a man who was to be honored. That they honored Joshua the way they honored Moses. And so even as we come to Hebrews chapter 3, we are coming out of this context that this was a man who would speak with God face to face. This was a man, as the Bible says, that would see a form of God. This was a man that God referred to him as his servant. This was a man that God called upon the people to honor. And so this is the place where these people were coming from even having converted, that this is the understanding that they had. But then, beyond Moses being all this, 
we need to understand, even as we seek to say that Jesus is greater than Moses, that there were controversies, there were debates, there were disputes about Moses, about Jesus. And just to touch on two, we are told that in John chapter 9, verse 17 to 29, when Jesus heals the blind man, and this man goes before the Pharisees, we are told that when he went before the Pharisees, in verse 28, we are told that the Pharisees hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. As in the Pharisees were calling Jesus a fellow. They were calling Jesus a fellow. And the Pharisees told him, we are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. You can imagine all that. Disagreements, disputes, controversies about Jesus and about Moses. Because I'd like us to have this understanding even as we come and say that Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than Moses. Paul, in Acts chapter 21, verse 17 to 21, he comes to Jerusalem. And when he comes, you know, he tells them the report of what God has done. The way people have given their lives to Christ. But then, in that place, he's told, you know, the Jews are saying that you're turning away the Gentiles. You know, you're turning people from Moses. In verse 21, Acts 21, it says, They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses. Telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. A dispute, a controversy about Moses and about what they were teaching about Jesus. And so when we come to Hebrews chapter 3, because of time, we read in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1 to 19, it says this. Hebrews chapter 3, which is our main text for today. That therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son of a God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and hope in which we glory. Verse 7. So, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as you did in the rebellion, during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away 
from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who had and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Praise the Lord. And so in Hebrews chapter 3, we find the difference. We find the contrast. Beyond their concerns, beyond the controversies that were there or the disputes that were there, we find the contrast. And what the writer is telling them is this. Consider Jesus as being greater than Moses. And what do I mean by this? That how is Jesus greater than Moses? Number one, Jesus has made us partakers of a heavenly calling. Jesus has made us partakers of a heavenly calling. Moses did not make us partakers of a heavenly calling. Jesus has made us partakers of a heavenly calling. Actually, other versions would say he has made us partners in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. That because of Jesus, we need to consider him better than Moses. Why? Because he has made us partakers. He has made us become people who can participate and be part of this heavenly calling. Praise the Lord. And that we find in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. That holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling. Jesus has made us that. And that is why he is, number one, greater than Moses. He has brought us to a place of privilege. You know, it's like when you go to a party and you're told to sit at the high table. Are you together? That you can partake the best compared to what others are taking. That you are a partaker of this. And so in this understanding, we are being told that Jesus who has made us partakers has brought us to a place of privilege more than Moses. Praise the Lord. And so he is greater than Moses. But secondly, still, from the same verse, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, you know, as you're being told to fix your thoughts on Jesus, it says, this Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. This Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Apostle is a messenger. And so, the writer is basically telling them this, that Jesus holds the greatest authority. Praise the Lord. That we need to consider this Jesus because he holds the greatest authority. He's the greatest high priest, the greatest apostle, if you would put it that way. You know, we come and we are in times where we worship men. We worship apostles, we worship people highly. Yet, the writer is saying, consider Jesus who holds the ultimate authority. He's the greatest of them all. The greatest of the apostles, of the priests that you'd think of. 
And so he's telling them, you know, consider Jesus our apostle and high priest. Why? Because he is the one who holds the ultimate authority. Praise the Lord. And so Jesus out of this is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than Moses. And so it is important of us to understand that even in times as they were, that they would reverence Moses, they would honor Moses. They were being told, consider this Jesus who has greater authority than Moses. Praise the Lord. Who has greater authority than Moses. And then the Bible continues to say in verse 2 of Hebrews that he was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 7, we read this, that God says that Moses is faithful in my house. Like I said, we were reading Numbers just to be reminded that even in Hebrews, we are being reminded that even as much as Moses was faithful, you still need to consider Christ being greater, being better than Moses. Praise the Lord. But the third thing that we get to learn, Jesus being better and greater than Moses is this, that Jesus is worthy of more glory and honor than Moses. Praise the Lord. And that is why in verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 3 it says that Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor or greater glory than Moses. Just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. Praise the Lord. Yes, Moses had his glory. When he came down from Mount Sinai, he came with a glory. It was even hard to look at his face. Yes, you honored him, as we read in Joshua. But then they are being told that honor this Jesus more than Moses. Reverence Jesus more than Moses. Because he has more honor and he has more glory. Praise the Lord. And it is important of us to understand that. That we may not come into this place where we honor men more than we honor Christ himself. Praise the Lord. Because this Jesus deserves more glory than Moses. But then the fourth thing in Jesus being better than Moses is this. That he was faithful as a son, as we see in verse 5. That we are told that Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house. Bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. Praise the Lord. That the difference here is this. That we need to know that Jesus is better. Why? Because he is a son. A son has greater honor than a servant. A son has greater privilege than a servant. A son is able to inherit compared to a servant. And so we are being told that Jesus is better than Moses. Why? Because he is a son. And he is not a servant. He is a son. He holds the place of privilege. He holds the place where he can, he can inherit. A servant may not inherit what is left by their master, but a son can inherit what is left by their father who could be the master. And we are told that Jesus 
is the son over God's house. Jesus was greater and better because he was a son and not a servant. But then still, in that very same verse 6, we are told that it says that, but as Christ, as a son, is in charge of God's entire house, we need to understand that Jesus is greater and better. Why? Because he is in charge of God's house. Praise the Lord. He is in charge of God's house. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Christ comes and tells Peter that you know that on this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church. I will build my church. That Jesus is greater. Why? Because he is in charge of God's house. We are not told Moses being in charge of God's house. He was just a servant. He was just a part of it. But we are told that Jesus was in charge over God's house. It actually says he's the builder of this house. That is why in Matthew 16, 18 it says that I will build my church. I will build my church. And that makes him greater and better than Moses. Praise the Lord. But the sixth thing we find in Jesus being greater and better is that Jesus has made us to be his house. And verse 6 says this, so that you may understand me, that, but as Christ, you know, as the Son is in charge of God's entire house, and we are God's house, if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. A better way to understand it is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. It says this, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. That Jesus is greater and better. Why? Because he is building us into being a spiritual house. Praise the Lord. To be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God, through Jesus Christ. That there is something that God is making us to be. There is something that Jesus is making us to be, as you see in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. That you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. By who? By Jesus himself. Therein meaning what? That Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is greater than Moses. We could end there in looking at Jesus being greater than Moses. But then allow me to say this, that this also affects us today and you find that the writer of Hebrews in telling them to consider Jesus as greater than Moses, at the end he talks about practical things that they can do, practical way of life that they can live in so that they do not drift back, so that they can accept that Jesus is better than Moses. And that is what we find in verse 7, where it says that, so as the Holy Spirit says, that today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion 
during the time of testing in the wilderness. The three practical things that the writer of Hebrews encourages, encourages us to do. The number one is telling us what? Do not harden your heart. Do not harden your heart. Because when you harden your heart, rebellion shall arise from you. When you harden your heart, you shall drift back into your former way of life. And many times, the call to receive Christ, because we harden our hearts, we refuse to receive this Christ. Because we harden our hearts and we rebel, we easily find ourselves drifting back to the ways of life and to the things that we believed in. And the writer is basically saying, do not harden your heart. If you harden your heart, you will not view and honor this Jesus as being greater than Moses. That this which I'm telling you, you will not receive it if you harden your heart. But secondly, he tells them this as a practical way of life. Seek to live a life that pleases him and do away with sin. Verse 12 says this, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. A practical approach, a practical way that they should live. To do away with sin. To refuse unbelief. But thirdly, he says this. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. For he says in verse 13. But encourage one another daily. As long as it is called today. So that none of you may be hardened by sins deceitfulness. That none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And a challenge I pose to us even today, how are we encouraging one another in this walk of life? How are you encouraging someone that you are working with? The writer was calling them to a place of, let us encourage one another in this walk so that we do not drift away because of our beliefs and the things we've been taught. Praise the Lord. And so the challenge even to us today who are here, that many a times you may want to drift back, you may want to move back to the systems of the world, to the things you believed in, to go back into sin. But the writer of Hebrews says, do not harden your heart. Seek to live a life that pleases the Lord. Do away with sin. But more than that, find encouragement. Encourage someone. Be encouraged by someone. Because it says, encourage one another daily. As long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. By sin's deceitfulness. And so even as we are here today, as we come to an end, the word of the Lord to you is... Jesus is greater than any other person you'd seek to follow and even to believe in. The Lord is saying, as we see in Hebrews chapter 3, it says, as the Holy Spirit said, 
do not harden your heart. Maybe over time you've hardened your heart to receive this Jesus. Maybe over time you've heard this gospel, but still your heart is hardened. The Lord is telling you today, do not harden your heart. Do not harden your heart. Move away from sin. Find encouragement in his word. But even more than that, the Lord is challenging us. Encourage one another daily. None of us may give back into the ways of this world. As it was even with they who had converted in this day. Let us pray.